Blog Talk Radio. This is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Wiglet, Jiglet, what a race! Always be Mickey on the outside. Always be Mickey. They're off and it is on. And betting line has taken the lead. Choo choo! Boom! Just like that! You're tuned in to Harness Racing's fastest 90 minutes post-time with Mike and Mike, with co-host Mike Carter. Believe in the spirit? Do you believe in miracles? And Mike Bozen. Smoking Gun, Shaman Hall, production, Smoking Gun is flying, here comes Smoking Gun, I don't know! That just happened! That just happened! Touch that dial. It's another edition of Host Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, it is all about the girls here on Post Time with Mike and Mike today. Girl power on our second edition, part two of the Women of Harness Racing. Yeah, we certainly can't wait, and we're kind of taking a break from our usual format. Usually, especially this time of year, Mike, we like to talk about the races coming up, uh, some of the bigger races that have happened over the past weekend, but uh, we're going to kind of deviate from that regular programming, if you will, and to talk about some of the women that really have accomplished a lot in what is primarily a male-dominated sport, Mike. Let's not kid ourselves, the sport of harness racing. But there are a lot of great women that do a lot for this business. We are very, very happy and thrilled to have five of them on here today. But uh, before we even get to kind of setting the stage for our show, Mike, another barn fire this last evening at uh, one of the places that is near and dear to the harness racing heart mike uh, historic ocean track why don't you tell us a little bit about it and uh, maybe if people want to help i know you and allison were going back and forth with that as well yeah you know uh the barn fire uh it was a uh, tragic barn fire but no human or equine life uh uh was taken uh, mike and that's uh the best news of it all uh you know barns can be replaced but life cannot and so horse and equine of course all made it out um however uh they are um the barn was a complete loss for several of the barns and stables at goshen historic track um there are places uh, you can donate we're actually going to go over that here in just a second also uh, any horsemen that were uh, displaced from Goshen Historic Track. Monticello Raceway has opened their backside for stabling immediately. So uh, make sure you reach out to the connections there. Uh, but uh, portions of the barn um, adjacent to the BOCES barn and the historic blacksmith, blacksmith shop have been completely uh, demolished. Uh, you can help by making a donation of any amount directly to Goshen Historic Track at 44 Park Place, Goshen, New York, 10924. Uh, all donations are tax deductible as allowed. Um, as Goshen Historic Track is a 501c3. Uh, for more information, visit info at GoshenHistoricTrack.com. Also, they are accepting gifts in kind, uh, harnesses, feed, etc. cetera, uh, gift cards to Big D's, L&B Tax, fin- FinTech, Tractor Supply are also needed and greatly appreciated. And I believe, uh, Mike, there is a PayPal address as well, um, 
for uh, Goshen Historic Track at 44 Park Place. Yeah, big and big kudos, by the way. Big high fives out to the fine folks at Monticello for stepping up to the plate and helping out. Sean Wiles and the gang really deserve a lot of credit for doing that. That's a top top A class thing that you could possibly uh, that could possibly be done in a situation like this. So big, big uh, kudos to the guys at Monticello and the Sean Wiles. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they are uh, playing a big part in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in this, Mike, and, uh, you know, it makes for a, uh, makes, you know, everybody is all hands on deck in these type of situations. And, uh, we'll be posting links on our website, um, on our social media pages. So if people want to donate, uh, they can as well. All right. Well, we've got a great show on tap for everybody today. Once again, it's the women of harness racing part two and uh, part one, which we did, uh, last year, Mike, uh, really, you know, really got a lot of attention. It was one of our best-rated shows, and we had the likes of Moira, uh, Moira Sullivan Fanning, Heather Vitale, Emily Gaskin, who's a post-time with Mike and Mike Award winner. We also had uh, Chantel Mitchell, who is very familiar with barn fires, unfortunately, and uh, we also had uh, Casey Coleman on that program as well. So we're going to once again. Uh, concentrate on the women of harness racing and uh, some of their contributions. And we have got five of the very best here today. Ellen Harvey is going to be joining us in just a few minutes. And there's not a whole lot she hasn't done in the sport of harness racing over her time. We're going to talk to her in just a few minutes. Carol Hodes also will be joining us as well as Allison Conti and one of our own, Mike Jessica Otten. She has uh, certainly helped a lot in the post time with Mike and Mike productions and broadcasts and remotes. And uh, she's going to be joining us as well. Plus, we're going to talk a little racing under saddle. It was the first leg of the racing under saddle Mid-Atlantic Monty series at the Ocean Downs this past Sunday. And Sasha Macholsky was uh, able to get the job done aboard Highway Marcus. And we'll talk to her about that. Plus, our guy, Gabe Pruitt, is uh, going to be on the program as well. As we're going to talk some Kentucky Sires things. And it's our running aces segment with our man, Darren Gagne. So, Mike... This is a very busy show today. A very are you up are you up for it? Listen, man, I have about ten Red Bulls in front of me. Let's get this going. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll let you crack open another one and uh, a Red Bull that is, and uh, yeah. we're going to uh, get this uh, thing started with Ellen Harvey up next on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward point state restrictions. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. 
We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. Right now, we're joined by Ellen Harvey, who is the current executive director of uh, Harness Racing Communications. And uh, Ellen, before we get into uh, talking a little bit about your career and uh, what you've done in your service to the sport of harness racing, you do have an update on the Agoshan Barn Fire. So without further ado, go ahead, Ellen. Yes, good morning uh, to Mike and Mike. Um, I'm delighted to be on your show but, and um, have been troubled, as have we all, by the news coming out of Goshen. But I just 10 minutes ago spoke with Steve Jones, who is the president of the board of directors of Goshen Historic Track, and um, he is uh, resolute in their um, plans to go on and to rebuild and to um, of course, at the very first, try to help get the horsemen who lost, thank God, not their animals, but their equipment in the fire, help them get back into the business of being able to make a living and um, care for their animals, uh, and then rebuilding will be on the horizon as well. So Steve has told me that they will be working very closely with the fire department there in Goshen, which was such, uh, they were so prompt in their response in many other communities close by. Goshen is a, quite a small town and surrounded by a lot of other towns in a fairly rural area, but they had an enormous response. Um, and thankfully, um, the uh, bulk of the track was unaffected. The, uh, it's, a, of course, a very old historic track. Most of the buildings are, are wooden and decades and decades, if not 100 years old. But he is um, very grateful for all the help that they were given. And all the animals are safe. All the people are safe. That's the most important thing. And they are looking to um, help their horsemen get back on their feet. And they certainly welcome donations from um, our racing community in terms of um, equipment, um, gift certificates, tax shops, uh, tractor supply, that sort of thing. I think if folks want more information, I can give you their telephone number if you'd like. Would you like me yeah, to do that? Yeah, let's do that. Yep. Okay, the number at Historic Track is area code 845-294-5333. That's 845-333. Their website is goshenshistorictrack.com. They do have a PayPal account there, and they do have, of course, many other barns that are intact and um, they uh, are, are going about their business, but uh, it's a solemn day there. Solemn yeah. but very grateful day. Yeah, ab- yeah absolutely. And uh, once again, kudos uh, certainly to the first responders and, uh, you know, the fire personnel that got there, obviously, and, and, you know, did their job and put the fire out. But obviously, Ellen, we're very, very happy and blessed that there were no lives lost, as we mentioned, no uh, equine lives and, of course, no human lives. So we're certainly thankful for that. But, uh, you know, it, it seems like, you know, and Ellen, we've been <laughs> – you know, Mike and I have been doing this show now for about a year and a half, and it's and I don't know what it is, but it just seems like there's been an awful lot of barn fires over the last year and a half or so. Well, I, you know, I, I can't say as I keep track of those sorts of things, but you have to remember that that um, where you have horses, you have generally hay and straw, right. which are pretty right. combustible materials. It's uh, difficult and impractical to store that oftentimes away from the horses. Um, and as much as it seems like we spend 24 hours a day with, with our animals, sometimes we don't quite. Everybody does eventually finish the day and go home, and there is, uh, you know, you don't generally have sprinkler systems and that sort of thing in, in barns. And then, of course, in the case of Goshen, it, they've been racing there since 1838. I'm not right. sure that all of those structures date back that far, but we've been very lucky to have it as such a well-preserved glimpse of our past 
but they didn't have sprinkler systems, you know, 100 years ago, and they, right. they didn't think about those kinds of things. But um, it's certainly everybody's worst nightmare. But in this case, it was a bad dream and not a nightmare because um, everybody escaped uh, unharmed people and animals. I did hear that that there were people, you know, I don't know if you've been to Goshen, but it is the, the county seat. The government building is throw a football to the county government building from the racetrack, and there were people coming off the street coming in to try to get the animals out of the stall. And, and one person that knew nothing about horses got a little bit head bumped in the process and, and, and got dinged up a little bit, but he, he was perfectly fine. But it is, it's a, a community that really recognizes what a gem they have there. It's not just the horse community. It's the local horse community. And, and uh, I, I predict there will be uh, a head for them. Ellen Harvey, the executive director of Harness Racing Communications, joins us. Ellen, uh, I was looking at your bio a little bit, and, and obviously you are one of the, in my opinion, one of the unsung heroes of the sport of harness racing because there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes that a lot of it that really doesn't even have anything to do with racing that you have done throughout your career that you've kind of taken care of and worked with throughout your career. Tell us a little bit about how you got started and, and what kind of got you going in the sport. Well, um, I, I was surrounded by it, literally. I didn't have much choice. My uh, dad was the manager of Meadowlands Farm, which is where the very important stallion in our sport, Adios, stood when I was born. And we lived on an annex of the farm. So I, was, I lived on a 350-acre farm surrounded by a underbreds. As much as I wanted to live in the suburbs and ride my bikes with my friends, <laughs> that's the life in, into which I was born. Um, I, I will say that, that I saw firsthand what a tough way it was to make a living. And my, my, both of my parents came from farming backgrounds, and they urged me to uh, get an education, and then you can buy, you can buy horses, they said. You don't, don't have, to, uh, have to make your living hoping that they'll race fast enough to pay the mortgage next month. But so um, I did spend 10 years um, working in special education. I have an undergraduate and a graduate degree. Education, um, but I was very lucky to grow up in um, an environment where I met so many wonderful people and, and gained such a wonderful respect for the animals that provide us all our living. So, um, actually, when I was uh, 10 years into special education and still making less than the secretary in the program where I worked, I tried to evaluate what other skills I had that perhaps could provide me a little more stable way to make a living. And, and I'd always been a good writer, and I did a lot of academic writing in school, so I was able to take my knowledge of racing and my skills in, in writing and in communicating and, and make myself into a publicist late in life. Now, Ellen, uh, you are the author and publisher of the book Standard Bread Old Friends, along with photographer Barbara Livingston. Uh, where did this uh, book come about, and uh, where did the ideas come from? Well, um, I, I don't know how many of you, your readers may know Barbara, but um, she is a, I believe, four-time Eclipse Award-winning photographer whose um, history is that the first good horse she ever took a photo of was Nitrox. She grew up uh, right near Saratoga, New York, and uh, though she makes her living shooting standard thoroughbred horses, she has a great affection for, for our breed as well. And she has done a series of books been quite successful called Old Friends and it is a look at it's kind of a where are they now sort of presentation of oh geez I remember that that horse that won the Hamiltonian 20 years ago 
what has happened to that horse? You know, where are they now? What do they look like? What is their life like now? And Barbara spent many years tracking down horses of that type and recording, you know, what they looked like late in life. For many of these horses, especially the geldings or the broodmares, once they leave the racetrack, you don't know where they are, what they look like, what their lives are like, but she recorded all of that in photos, and she did that twice. And for uh, her third book, she and I collaborated. I did all the writing, and I went to most of the photo shoots, and we recorded 43, the lives of 43 horses um, in their life, in their in their golden years, so to speak, and did that. took about 14 or 15 months. We covered about ten or 12,000 miles, went to Sweden and got Maclo Bell and Tappan, some other horses there as well. Went from Maine, from a beach in Maine to uh, central Florida and palm trees and covered quite a lot of ground, but it is still available on uh, Amazon and, uh, of course, at the Harness Racing Museum if, if anybody would like to take a look at it. I think it's pretty neat. Good stuff. Uh, Ellen, one more question before we let you go. And obviously, I don't think it's any secret that it's, uh, you know, harness racing is a male-dominated sport. And, and uh, certainly, I would imagine that, uh, you know, maybe not so much now, but certainly, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that there had to be some obstacles that women had to overcome to, you know, kind of get their footing in the sport of harness racing. Did you, did you encounter any of those obstacles? Well, I got to say, I, I certainly never did. Um, every job I've had in racing, I've been hired by a man, um, and I have certainly there have been moments when I think perhaps I wasn't taken as seriously as I, I might have been had I been um, somebody's gender peer. But I think that's uh, an individual trait and not anything that is germane to our industry um, in particular. I think. You know, I, I think we're pretty lucky. I, I think if you work with horses, you see that your it doesn't have much to do with it. They weigh about 1,000 or 1,100 pounds. I don't care how strong you are. If they want to want to go one way and you want to go another, uh, that's what's going to happen. So I think it really does come down to your skill level and your devotion, and um, I don't think gender has a lot to do with that. I do think that, I mean, I have some... Maybe it's too complex to go into on the radio, but we are still a culture where child care is seen as largely a female responsibility. And if you're going to be a catch driver and, and to a lesser extent, a horse trainer, it's a lot of long late nights and driving on the road. And, um, you know, it's difficult to keep up household schedule. And I think that um, until perhaps our culture and our society's views on child care and whose responsibility that is, are a little broader. Uh, we probably won't see a lot of female catch drivers. There certainly are some, and they're certainly uh, very talented. But in proportion to what I see on the backstretch, anything from caretakers to veterinarians, the, the proportion there is shifting a lot closer to 50-50 than it's ever been. But I think the catch driving ranks are, are one where they are still quite unrepresented. All right, Ellen Harvey, the Executive Director of Harness Racing Communications. We certainly appreciate you joining us. And uh, once again, yeah, as far as the barn fire goes, uh, I know we're going to post links on our website and our social media pages. So, uh, And, of course, you can visit uh, the Goshen Historic Track website as well. I know you're saying they have a PayPal account. And, uh, it, you know, Ellen, one thing about the harness racing community is in situations like this, it tends to come together very, very well. So that uh, certainly makes me to be uh, proud to be a part of the sport. 
Oh, absolutely. We are a competitive bunch, but when it comes right down to it, we've got each other's backs, and I think that's what will happen here, and I thank you for your assistance in getting the word out. All right. Thanks, Ellen. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye, guys. All right. That was Ellen Harvey, and uh, Mike, I'll tell you what. She is one of those people that is just, I mean, she is tops. I mean, what she does behind the scenes uh, for the sport of harness racing from a communications basis, from a basis to helping horses after they've, uh, you know, after their racing careers are over to help them find homes. I mean, it's just the list that she has been able to accomplish goes on and on and on. And and I'll tell you, reading her bio, just some, some great, great stuff, Mike. Yeah, and she sent like she sent a copy of her uh, resume over, so we knew like w- what she had done, uh, you know, previously to what she's doing right now, and what an extensive resume it is. And uh, I tell you what, I look up to Ellen Harvey; she's a fantastic person. And uh, actually, uh, she helped put on the um, the Tom Durkin announcer right. school at Goshen. And uh, I know the announcer currently at Buffalo Raceway, Wayne Teven, went to that, and uh, he thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And she definitely uh, likes helping out some of the young people in the sport. All right, up next is Carol Hoda. She's a longtime member of the New Jersey Sports and Exposition Authority publicity team and a staff reporter from the Star-Ledger from 1974 to 1981. She was uh, one of the outstanding publicists and still is, and we're going to talk to her in just a few minutes when we come back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. It's the Women of Harness Racing, second edition. Join Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment as racing resumes on Friday, September 8th for two weekends of live harness racing action. Then Thoroughbred Racing begins on Friday, October 6th, 2017 and runs through November 11th, 2017. Then harness racing will resume on Friday, November 17th and run through the end of the year. For more information, simulcast schedule and more, visit PlayMeadowlands.com. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at embroideryunl.com. That's embroideryunl.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Yeah, certainly. There you go, Mike Carter. Zenyatta beating the boys. I know that was uh, Thoroughbreds, but still, uh, boy, I'll tell you, one of the touching moments, I think, in all of horse racing when Zenyatta was able to sweep by and get the job done beating the boys. Carol Hodes is joining us now. Carol, welcome to the program. Good morning. Hi, Mike and Mike and everybody out there. All right. Well, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Uh, Carol, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you've uh, certainly had a a big hand in publicity, publicizing our sport uh, throughout the years. Tell us a little bit about how you got started in the sport of harness racing. Well, in contrast to Ellen Harvey, who grew up in a racing family, I grew up in a grew up with 
without any real exposure to racing. Our big thing was to go maybe to nearby Mammoth Park once a summer for a day's outing. So this really, uh, I I come from this from the um, journalism side of things. I was a journalism student, a degree in journalism from George Washington University, and I determined that in the 1970s, you know, late 1970s, it wasn't a bad idea to try to get into um, sports writing, even though it was very new for women. And I was the first uh, woman sports writer at the Star-Ledger of New Jersey, which is the state's largest paper. And um, they came to me one day uh, shortly after the Meadowlands opened and said, what do you know? do you know about horse racing? And I said, nothing, but I'll learn. And that apparently was the right answer. And <laughs> they sent me out to um, be one of the co- the reporters covering the racetrack uh, in partnership with two other gentlemen. Now, Carol, in reading some of the uh, stuff and some of your backstory, it, you know, one thing that you found useful uh, was the fact that you were new at it, but you were also helping new people learn uh, the the sport and the industry. And you know, that, in my opinion, uh, you know, makes for a great writing because if you're new at it and you're trying to learn it yourself, you know, you're trying to learn the aspects that maybe a new gambler or a new fan would try to listen to as well. I I think so. Um, I think I went into it without. A lot of preconceived notions. Um, I was asking a lot of questions that were very basic, and I will say that the horse commu- horseman community at the Meadowlands at that time was extremely receptive, and just glad that somebody cared and was I- interested and would give me um, very generously of their time to answer my questions. And um, you know, so yes, that all worked to my advantage. And then, of course. Um, after several years in the newspaper position, I was offered a job doing publicity for the Meadowlands. Now that's a, a different perspective than being a reporter, but still, it's it's it, this, the skills translate very well. And um, after 25 years there, uh, both at um, Meadowlands and then for the time when Meadowlands or the Sports Authority bought Mammoth Park, I also worked at Mammoth Park, and um, I've been a retiree for for several years now. Carol Holt is joining us. Carol, uh, let's get back to your Star Ledger days from 1974 <laughs> to 1981. And obviously, um, you know, as a reporter, in, in, I asked Ellen the same question about maybe some of the obstacles that women had to face. I mean, especially back in the, the mid-70s, early 80s, a lot of the industries were still male-dominated. Harness racing, obviously, is a very male-dominated sport. Did you ever have any obstacles that you had to overcome uh, being a woman in, in such a male-dominated area? Uh, there were – obviously there were because it, it was a new concept to have women um, not only, you know, obviously competing in sports, but it, when I was in school and co- in college was the introduction of Title IX, which required um, – you know, schools that were being funded to to all open and and provide um, sports programs for women. I'm I'm not very athletic myself, so it wasn't as if it helped me personally in that respect. But it became part of the story. And as like I said, at the time, the newspaper wanted to add a women's sports column. And horse racing actually was the ideal sport for a woman to cover because, um, you know, it didn't require uh, maybe the, the same. Uh, you know, going into locker rooms issue that we that we have in in, in basketball, baseball, football. Now the, the locker rooms are wide open for the women who are covering it. And in fact, there are many women covering uh, professional sports. But back then, um, it was kind of uh, still a little bit, little bit taboo. But in harness racing, I was always very welcomed into all the uh, 
driver's room. You know, they just had to be discreet. And um, and uh, it just it, it worked out as a very good transition for me into a, into a sport. And I fell in love with it. And the horses, you know, I've always had a appreciation for horses, but the racing portion of it was very new to me. And um, it was it was love at first sight. Uh, literally the first harness race I ever saw was the first one I wrote about. So that was a bit of a challenge. But the, the publicity staff at the Meadowlands was very helpful in, in getting me oriented. Carol, one more question before we let you go. Obviously, um, you know when when you started and when you were working back in the you know the the when you go to the eighties and you go through the nineties, obviously publicity has changed quite a bit. I think by the advent of social media, and you know with your experiences, you kind of had the the best of both worlds where. You know, back in the 80s and the 90s, it was newspaper, 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 and now it's social media, Facebook and, and Twitter. How has that changed? Do you think that's helped harness racing, hurt harness racing, or just harness racing needs to adjust? I guess probably the adjustment portion of it. Um it's not really a question of harness racing. It's the entire media picture has changed so dramatically. Right. Yes, I was very blessed in the in my era of being a publicist to actually have print newspapers and editors who cared about racing and reporters who were assigned to cover racing, or at least regularly covered, you know, occasionally covered racing, if not every day. And um, the whole industry has changed dramatically, but also have. The same as this can be said of um, almost in parallel, the newspaper industry has gone through radical changes, and uh, uh, there's, I don't think there's one newspaper left in the country that has a turf writer, a person, you know, assigned to cover horse racing. And the hard part of that is that you end up having, on the rare occasions, you get somebody out to cover someone who has absolutely no idea of, about your sport. So in even during my time, I spent an awful lot of time being an educator because I, I, inter- I was educated by the people in the publicity staff at the Meadowlands, and I, in turn, uh, took on that role with reporters who were uh, fledgling racing coverage people and, um, you know, ha- helped work with them. Um, you know, at the Meadowlands, we were one of the first, I think maybe the first racetrack to do a, uh online chat room, uh, you know, which was very – new and and interesting back then we had a very uh we had the willingness on part of our management to try new things and to be innovative and computerized uh probably earlier than most and we were we were blessed with you know the finances to do that and the luxury of having a dedicated publicity department not that many tracks could support having a department well, Carol, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and uh, obviously you're keeping in touch a little bit with uh, with racing. You still do uh, any writing now and again? Well, um, when I left the Meadowlands in 2007, I was lucky enough to be offered a position as a uh, publicity consultant for the Standard Bread Breeders and Owners Association of New Jersey, so I kept my hand in it that way, and that was a perfect uh, transition from ridiculously long hours to being a complete and utter retiree, and that's where I am now. I'm, I, I mean, I'm a bit, I do a little bit of writing, but I'd hardly say that I'm an active uh, person right now, and I'm um, enjoying the, the flexibility and luxury. Uh, after all those years, you know, 30-some-odd years of working nights, weekends, and holidays, I finally get to be uh, amongst my family and friends and neighbors and get to know them, um, which is one of the hardships of working in an entertainment or sports uh organization is you you don't have much control over your personal life yeah well carol listen we certainly appreciate you joining us and uh we're certainly grateful for your service to the sport of harness racing 
I'm here. I'm, I'm glad to be able to do something uh, to help racing, and I and I do send my my concern and 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 well wishes to the the folks at Goshen, and I uh, hope everybody will join me as we go online and make our donations and uh, and wish them well and send them uh, our love. All right. Thanks, Carol. All right. Take care. That was Carol Hodes, a uh, longtime publicist for the New Jersey Sports and Exposition Authority. And, uh, Mike, I'll tell you what, going kind of back down memory lane with her and Ellen Harvey, it's it's kind of interesting, Mike, and I don't really know if we even did this on purpose, but, you know, we we talked about Carol and, uh, you know, and, and Ellen and their extensive publicity work in the sport of harness racing. And the kind of the second half of the show will be, Allison Conti and Jessica Otten, and they're doing the same work that Ellen and Carol are doing, but on a completely new platform, obviously with, with social media. And I think Carol brings up a very good point, Mike, of, especially this day and age, about publicists in harness racing, especially when you go outside of the harness racing world, you, you become educators because, quite frankly, a lot of these people, especially in media outside of harness racing, need to be educated about harness racing once again. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that statement. And, you know, the the one thing um, about Carol, and I mentioned it during uh, my question, Mike, was the fact that she was new, being able to help people understand what a new person would be uh, would try to be able to understand. And I think that's, a, you know, that's, that's a big and key thing because I think sometimes maybe we miss uh, what the new people are trying to learn or, you know, maybe we're, we're missing, you know, we're hitting on the wagering aspect of it, but you know, when a barn fire happens, uh, what do we do in that situation? What do we do if a horse gets sick? And so it's interesting that, uh, you know, that we're seeing the different aspects of, uh, of that uh, bleed through here. All right. Up next, it's uh, we're going to talk a little bit of Kentucky Sires things with our man Gabe Pruitt. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. The Kentucky Sires Stinks is a culmination of a month-long series of preliminary races with the biggest money earners getting a chance to compete in one of the richest finals in North America. The Kentucky Sire Stinks includes two- and three-year-old Pacers and Trotters competing for over $2 million in purses. All the races are conducted at the historic Red Mile in Lexington, Kentucky. The series starts on Thursday, August 17th at 7 p.m. For more information, visit khrc.ky.gov. That's khrc.ky.gov. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And we're joined now. Now, we always have to give Mike, we always have to give a little bit of crap to our friend Gabe Pro. We're joined now by You're the Dodgers. Better, by the way. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Dodgers choke fan. No, I'm kidding. The Dodgers fan, Mr. Gabe Pro. Gabe, what's going on, buddy? You know what? There's not much to uh, to uh, give the Dodgers a hard time over uh, this season. So if you're if you're on that perfect game uh, that we blew late last night, that's uh, that's just a little pebble in what has been a great season. 
Listen, real quick, and all joking aside, I watched uh, part of that game as ESPN brought it to us, uh, you know, when the perfect game was going on. And, you know, first of all, you know, forget the error by the third baseman because, you know, those things happen. But what made it, you know, sad, at least for me anyway, just watching the game kind of play out was the, you know, was the way that it ended. Uh, you know, they played such a great game and then all of a sudden, just like that, it's over. And, you know, the, the Dodgers, uh, the Dodgers have been playing extremely well this year. So I got to give you some credit there. They have been, they have been. Hopefully we can pull Bozich to the Cubs into the playoffs so I can get a little revenge <laughs> from uh, when they knocked the Dodgers out last season. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what, listen, I, you know, I'm so turned off on baseball. You know what? I've never really been a baseball fan since the strike. I really oh, have. The I strike. really have. Yeah. Well, listen. I'm maybe I'll strike here, and you'll become a fan of the show again. Well, you've you've had uh, you've had 13 years to recover. Is that is no. not enough time at this point? <laughs> no, they got to they got to do more for me. Listen, they got to do more for me than offer me uh, 50 dollars seats and 20 dollars beers to get me back to a baseball stadium. I'll tell you. <laughs> Your useless fact of the day. I actually yeah. went to the last game pre-strike in '94, the Dodgers and the Reds in Cincinnati. $10 hot dogs. <laughs> Anyways, all right, guys, let's back to business here. Uh, Gabe, let's talk about some Kentucky Sire Steaks at the Red Mile. And, boy, uh, did Wolfgang impress uh, just about everybody uh, on uh, me last week when he put up a 29-1 opening quarter, Gabe. The second part of the mile was 28 seconds, and he flat out flew home in 27 and three. This is a horse by my MVP, uh, an Ohio bred that we talked about last week for trainer Jimmy Tector. You know what? He definitely looks the uh, part, Mike. Uh, first crop, my MVP, who was uh, really a big fan of the Red Mile as well. He was a uh, Kentucky Paturity champion, and it's great to see Wolfgang part of his uh, first crop. And, and maybe the big track, uh, you know, really helped him out. Uh, he had made a miscue there in his first lifetime start. That was up your way there in Ohio Sire Stakes. You've been in Northfield. But his qualifiers, the Meadowlands, had been very sharp, and uh, he couldn't have possibly been any more impressive uh, here last week for the opening leg of Kentucky Sire State. Home in 27-3, and caught at that mile 54-2. and two. And, again, if you disregard the break, it was essentially his first career start. So uh, that was uh, ultra-impressive. I think that that was definitely one of the more impressive races uh, that we saw here last week. Now, Gabe, another horse that raced extremely well was Nixie Volo, and I'm looking at the charted line, and I see two charted lines here that both say rain. It must have been raining pretty good for Nixie Volo, but I'll tell you what, for a two-year-old Philly trotter to stay on uh, on the trotting gate uh, in an extensive storm is what it looks like you guys had. Uh, I'll tell you what, John Butenshain uh, has a little bit of a something special on his hands here. Well, let me tell you exactly what we know about that race, and that is absolutely nothing because that you could not. It was the hardest it had ever rained that I have ever seen during a race the Red Mile. The horses literally left the screen; they left the view if you were on track from the half mile pole all the way until about the eighth pole. So we literally have no idea what uh, shook out in that mile, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how those horses all show back up after that. I agree; it was a, an impressive effort that uh, she did get there, and. Really, that race, the track was not that far off, and the conditions were not great. If you go further into the night with the other pair of Philly uh, trot divisions, the track was well off because not only did it uh, really downpour during that race uh, for the uh, several minutes after the race as well, so when you move on later in that night, uh, the track was just uh, well off. So we did get the trotting colts in before we had that uh, vicious weather. 
but the uh, trotting fillies weren't so fortunate. And one thing to back up, Mike, just really quickly on the uh, trotting colts, the fourth race this Saturday night, they're already back into the second leg. It is an absolute crapshoot. It almost looks like a final. We've got a field of seven Wolfgang, the horse we just talked about. We've got the other two uh, first-leg winners in there as well. We've got the two most impressive runner-up performers in that race, and we've got the $800,000 yearling tactical landing. Full Brother to Mission Brief, he's making his career debut, so it's really a blockbuster field, probably uh, the one I'm looking forward to the most. That's the fourth race on this Saturday night. Now, Gabe, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, this past Saturday for a second. There's a horse that jumps off the page at me, and he was in the fourth race, the Kentucky Sire Stakes for two-year-old Colton Gelding Pacers. And it's another horse that we talked about out of a rock, excuse me, by a rock and roll dance in Grand Teton. And, Gabe, this horse was flat out flying down the stretch, 26-2 and two, final quarter. You know, he really was. He stamped himself as the uh, pacing colt to be down here. I don't think there's any question about that. His stablemate uh, decoy did win the other uh, pacing colt division, but uh, Grand Teton, just uh, just an incredible performance, 26-2, and two, as you said, home 52 and change. You know, great family there as well. Uh, Mike, first crop sire, again, uh, that's uh, rock and roll dance, who seems to be uh, off to a very nice start. And, of course, he's a half-brother to pure country, who goes to the Dion Creek Connections, who's earned nearly $2 million. So this guy really looks the part. Uh, I think that he's going to be a prohibitive favorite uh, the entire way through here in this Kentucky Sire Stakes Series. But, you know, barring anything else that shows up that's unforeseen, they're actually drawing right now uh, for Sunday night's card. Those are where the uh, Pacers will come back. All right, Gabe, and uh, real quick before we let you go, uh, they return, obviously, Saturday and Sunday. When is leg three and the finals of this Kentucky Sire Stakes? We've got the uh, Saturday, Sunday, of course, the second leg. The third leg, guys, that comes up on uh, September the 7th for the uh, Trotters. That's a Thursday night, September the 9th for the two-year-old Pacers. And then uh, just over a week past that, September 17th. That's the date you're going to want to remember. Sunday night, September 17th. That's closing night of the early meet at the Red Mile before we take off uh, Jug Week. And then we get geared up for the Grand Circuit, of course. So Sunday night, September the 17th, those are the Kentucky Sire Stakes Finals. We'll have a little over $1.75 million in purses. Of course, we'll have that blockbuster two-year-old crop. They'll all be going for $250,000 final. All right, Gabe. Well, we certainly appreciate you taking time to join us. And listen, uh, we'll see you back here next week, buddy. And uh, hopefully the Dodgers uh, won't blow another one between now and then. <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, that was our man Gabe Pruitt, and uh, for those who don't know what we were talking about there, uh, the Dodgers, Mike, uh, decided to blow a perfect game, then blew the win, but uh, you know what, that's all right, they're going to come back and beat your Cubs, I think. Yeah, my man had a no, had a perfect game going, and then, uh, you know, everything went to Ooh. pot, and they, they lost the whole thing, but, uh, you know, who cares? Who cares about baseball? Yeah. I, I just have no interest in baseball. I did a little last year when the Cubs won it, but other than that, I, I, I just don't care. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit of racing under saddle, Mike, and this fits directly into our show topic. So this is uh, going to be a lot of fun. Sounds good. Sasha Macholsky is in the on-deck circle, plus Jessica Otten, Allison Conti, and Darren Gani is running Aces segment. If you think our show's coming to an end, you're badly mistaken. We've got a lot more left on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. More after this. 
Kentucky Sire Stinks is a culmination of a month-long series of preliminary races with the biggest money earners getting a chance to compete in one of the richest finals in North America. The Kentucky Sire Stinks includes two- and three-year-old pacers and trotters competing for over $2 million in purses. All the races are conducted at the historic Red Mile in Lexington, Kentucky. The series starts on Thursday, August 17th at 7 p.m. For more information, visit khrc.ky.gov. That's khrc.ky.gov. Summer racing heats up at the Downs at Mohican Sun Pocono. Catch all the action Saturday, Monday, and Tuesday with a post time of 6.30 and Sunday at 7.30 p.m. In July and August, it's the two- and three-year-old trotters and pacers in the spotlight in Pennsylvania Sire Stakes and Pennsylvania Stallion Series action. Follow us on Twitter for all things racing at Downs at MSP at Downs at MSP. Mohegan Sun Pocono. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. What a, what a great, great run by Ranks the Riches, uh, overcoming the boys in the Belmont, and uh, what a great, great memorable call. One of many, many, many by the great Tom Durkin. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Right now, we're joined by Sasha Macholsky, and I am so happy, Sasha, so happy that I was able to correctly pronounce that last name. How are you? That was beautiful. I've had that name butchered since I started kindergarten, so that was very nice. I'm doing great. Just finished up at the barn. How are you? We're doing fantastic. And uh, listen, uh, it was a great effort on Sunday, of course, uh, racing under saddle, leg one of the uh, series, the uh, Russ Mid-Atlantic Monty Series. Highway Mark is able to get the job done for you. Tell us a little bit about uh, how that race uh, unfolded in your eyes. Obviously, you have to be feeling good after that one, though. Oh, my goodness. It's one of the best moments of my life, for sure. After having so many losses, I told just about everyone, I would take a 1,000 losses just for one win. It's such a good feeling. Um, the race pretty much just worked out in our favor. Highway Marcus is an awesome horse. Uh, you, you're just a passenger on his back, just like a little flea. He does all the work, and you just sit there. Just kind Gosh, of hold tell, on. Us a, tell us a little bit about how you got started kind of in the, in the, the sport of racing. Well, I've been riding since I was eight and having show horses and competing that way. We didn't have a lot of money growing up, so we would get thoroughbreds off the track and then retrain them. From there, my show trainer married uh, her husband, who had standard bred racehorses. 
Um, and we kind of just got into it that way, and I fell in love with it right away. And since then, my passion for it has just grown immensely, and now it's my entire life. We've talked a little bit, uh, and obviously we've had uh, quite a few guests. We've had Maria Buchanan and Karen Carlson, a lot of the participants in Racing Under Saddle on this show. And obviously Racing Under Saddle, Team Monty, as it's called overseas, is is something that it, there's been a collective effort over the last few years to really kind of get it out there more in the public spotlight, to try to uh, kind of mix it in with harness racing more it tracks uh, in fairs uh, across the uh, the country, the country actually. And, and obviously overseas it has taken off a lot more than it certainly has here in the states what, what do you think needs to be done for racing under saddle to get that push to kind of get more mainstream if you will it would be so ideal if we could get to the point of the way it is overseas but i think we just need a lot of major participation and trainers that are just willing to put their horses in i thank god for my boyfriend josh green for allowing me like to help me just travel back and forth from new york since last summer just to kind of get like our feet on the ground and know what we're doing it takes a lot of travel a lot of hard work a lot of dedication um, I think just all around, tracks need to want to have Monty Racing there. I think it would be great for the sport as far as revitalizing the crowd and drawing in more people. The When I even go up to New York, there's so there's such a much bigger crowd up there just watching the racing under saddles than there was even this regular harness. And not to take away from that, but I think it would just add to it and be much more beneficial. I think it just needs to be a push on everyone's part, from trainers to owners to everybody at the track, just all coming together. It's never going to take away harness racing, and it's never going to take away from thoroughbred racing. It's just going to add so much more benefits to the sport of racing. And I see on Sunday that uh, you girls did an autograph session there with a lot of the fans. Did you get any feedback from any fans? Did you have a chance to talk to any fans when you guys were doing that? Oh, yeah. All the fans are really great. The kids are the neatest just because I don't think they've gotten a chance to really see uh, trotters under saddle. So to them, it's just amazing. And a lot of the kids that ride themselves, it's just another avenue for them to do when they get older. Um, I think a lot of the fans really love it. I'm always shocked when people actually ask for an autograph when we're sitting there. I always think of it as more of a meet and greet, but when they ask for your autograph, it just it makes you feel really good inside. So it's just very unexpected. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, so where do we go to next? Uh, where, where's the series continue? Uh, where's it go from here? So next in September is the Meadowlands, and then there's the final at Rosecroft. I'm hoping – it's all up to the owners naturally, but I'm really hoping that I'll be able to participate in both of those. And hopefully we'll have a big turnout at the Meadowlands, considering uh, New York has a bunch of girls that participate in racing under saddle, and then if we bring the Mid-Atlantic group, if we could combine those two groups together at the Meadowlands, I think we could really put on a great race. All right. Well, listen, Sasha, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Best of luck to you in the future. Great having you on the show here today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. That was Sasha Macholsky. And, you know, I think that that really that interview, Mike, really fit well on this program with Women of Harness Racing because racing under saddle uh, we talk about a male-dominated sport, but actually racing under saddle primarily does feature women riders, Mike. 
Yeah, it uh, primarily features them. And, you know, it, it, racing under saddle, if you've never watched it, is actually kind of really interesting and kind of cool to watch. And in Canada, Mike, you can actually bet on it. And uh, it's kind of a lot of fun. It's kind of a mix between thoroughbred and harness racing. And I'll tell you what, these ladies, uh, I've ridden on a trotter uh, when I was horseback riding one time, Mike. And I'll tell you, my legs were about numb afterwards. I can't even imagine <laughs> how built up these ladies have to be to uh, ride these horses week in and week out. All right, good stuff. Uh, the second leg's coming up at the Meadowlands uh, in the uh, first part of September. Now we're going to focus a little bit, Mike, on the newer generation of women. The The next couple of ladies that we're going to be talking to, Jess Scott and Allison Conti, are going to be two of the primary people that are going to, I believe, lead the sport of harness racing, especially from a publicity point of view, into the next generation. We're going to have them next. Plus, Darren Gagne and his Running Aces segment is coming up as well. Don't go anywhere. Still lots left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Join Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment as racing resumes on Friday, September 8th for two weekends of live harness racing action. Then Thoroughbred Racing begins on Friday, October 6th, 2017 and runs through November 11th, 2017. Then harness racing will resume on Friday, November 17th and run through the end of the year. For more information, simulcast schedule and more, visit PlayMeadowlands.com. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Glide in front of 16th out and letting loose an hatch. M&T trying to get to her from two lengths away. Passionate Glide is almost there. M&T on the outside second. Passionate Glide, the dominant damsel among trotting fillies, takes the Oaks in 154-3. The voice of the link, great Sam McKee, Mike Carter. You know, speaking of uh, speaking of ladies, we have got two-year-old Philly Pacers in action today, Mike, and Pennsylvania Sire Stakes action. I thought I'd give the old home track a little plug. Uh, and uh, Rainbow Room is going to be in action in race 12 here today, Mike. So, uh, uh, you know, I think this the show fits in quite well with that. The two-year-old Phillies in action uh, in Pennsylvania Sire Stakes racing. How about that? There you go, man. Well, joining us now is uh, one of our own, Mike Bozich, and uh, hopefully we can get her name right. It's Miss Jessica Otten. Jessica, what's going on? How are you guys this morning? 
Not too bad. We know uh, you're busy working, so we appreciate you taking time out. Jessica, talk to us uh, a little bit about uh, how you got started in harness racing. Uh, of course, me and Mike know the story, uh, but uh, kind of tell our listeners uh, where you started and uh, where you're at currently. Um, well, my dad has been a lifelong um, driver, trainer, owner. Um, I was just born into the business. From the day I could walk, I was pretty much in the barn with a pitchfork in my hand. I've always... Um, horses over just about anything um it's just a part of my blood i like to say um i've been grooming horses since i was probably 10 i've owned a handful of horses since i was probably 10 um i now work for a couple different people throughout the year um and i go to school almost full time so i like to think of it as the best of both worlds because i get to go to school to do the marketing aspect of it i help out northville downs and you guys, I get to go to all the big races, which is fun. And then I get to look at as a, from a groom perspective or a trainer's perspective with um, being hands-on with the horses every day. So it's pretty cool. I got to choose the life I wanted to live, so it makes me happy. Now, Jessica, talk to us a little bit about uh, what, what you're majoring in in college and uh, what kind of plans you have uh, going forward and using that degree. Um, well, right now I'm double majoring as a business management and marketing Um and minoring in broadcasting, it's a lot on my plate, but I've managed to uh, work full-time all summer and take classes online, so um, I'm just trying to get done as fast as I can, I guess. Um, I don't know where I'll take it. I really hope to stay in the business for it um, and maybe, like, work with Allison or Emily one day, but if it doesn't work out with the horses, um, I'd probably go into sports for marketing because I'm a sports fan, so just kind of have to go with the flow for right now and wait see what comes see what gets thrown at me i guess (laughs) jessica we've talked uh to uh other ladies about you know maybe some things they've had to deal with because it's a male-dominated sport have you ever had to deal with anything of that sort or is it just kind of come naturally to where you've been able to help um if with some people, you can tell that they, with male, like some males, I'm not going to say all males, but some males do think because that it is a male-dominated sport that um, they can control or they know better. And I kind of get the crappy part of it because I'm younger, too. So, of course, people think I don't know as much. And I'll admit I don't know as much, but I've been around it for my whole life, and I've worked for a lot of people, and I'm hands-on a lot. So, like, I will say something if I know it. And it really does, um, it does bring you down when they do look at you different because you're a girl or because you're younger, but not everybody's like that. And it's not, it's not very often it happens like that, but kind of sucks when it does. But you just got to brush off your shoulder and keep going. Well, listen, one thing I know that Mike and I are super proud of because uh, we've noticed that you have some amazing people skills. And the one thing you bring to the show and that we really like is the fact you bring a horseman's perspective into it. So it's nice when you're, like, you're in the paddock. You know, you may ask questions. You know, listen, you may see, I don't know, a hobble hanging or something that we have no clue what that is. And uh, I think that's the, that's what makes it pretty cool. And, you know, your interviewing style is, is – spot on um now i know you work some with the social media at northville and i know you work you know a little bit here and there but before post time with mike and mike did you ever do any interviewing or anything of that sort no have not when you guys threw me in the winter circle at the breeders crown that was my first ever live interview after a race something that i couldn't prepare for because you never know what's going to happen in a race so well we had to trick you a little bit live interview 
What? Listen, we, not only did we have to trick you a little bit, but we also had to make sure Mike got your name right, you know, because we, we know yeah, he loves right. to call you Jennifer for some crazy reason. <laughs> Surprised he's not right. jumping in here. But uh, <laughs> all right. Well, but, but listen, Jessica, no, no matter how bad uh, Bozich's memory gets, we certainly appreciate you, <laughs> appreciate you coming on the show. And we appreciate oh, everything right. you do with us. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll see. We're actually we're going to see you at the uh, Hoosier Pacing Derby coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, actually, I can't believe how fast it's gotten here. August is almost over. September is approaching us. So it'll be soon that the Pooja Park Pacing Derby comes. All right, Jessica, we certainly appreciate you taking time out of the busy morning to come on. And uh, listen, get back to work, will you? Yeah, I have to. He just said, what are you doing on the phone? (laughs) Thanks for having me, guys. I'll talk to you later. No problem. That was Jess Gotten. And uh, Mike, I tell you what, she does a fantastic job uh, for our team. I remember when we were looking for somebody uh, in the uh, Breeders' Crown last year um, after uh, some unforeseen uh, things, we were looking for some help. And, you know, we were sitting back thinking, who are we going to get? Who are we going to get? And, you know, I forget who, which one of us come up with the idea, but we both said, you know what, this would be the best choice uh, for us. And Jess Gotten, she's done a fantastic job. Well, you know, and I know this is going to show my age, but I mean, I've watched her grow up. I was, you know, I started in Hazel Park in 2004, and of course, Peter Rotten, her dad, a great guy, great horseman that uh, has raced primarily in Michigan and Canada, uh, you know, and, it, you know, to see her be as successful as she is, she's, she's very smart beyond her years, and she's one of the people, Mike, that's going to make a big difference, I believe, in the sport going forward. Her and our next guest, Allison Conti, and people like Emily Gaskin, I mean, just a new generation of uh, great people and uh, that, that are going to lead this sport forward. And one of the exciting things listening to that interview is that she is really focused in her schooling on uh, business management and marketing. And I'll tell you what, I don't know if there's two greater things that this sport needs more than, uh, you know, business management and marketing and hats off to her and I will guarantee you, get used to the name Jessica Otten because that is a name that you are going to hear a lot about as our sport moves forward. Allison Conti's in the On Deck Circle Plus. We're going to uh, have our good friend Darren Gagne. It's the Running Aces segment. And uh, still lots left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. We'll be right back. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Hey, it's Darren Gagne here at beautiful Running Aces Casino and Racetrack in beautiful Minnesota. And we just completed another big week of live harness racing action here at the track. It all started back on Saturday night, August 19th. On Saturday night's program, the featured event, $13,000 Minnesota Sire three-year-old pace. And Steve's Hot Rod was the star of the show as he took a new lifetime mark in the $13,000 three-year-old pace on Saturday evening. Steve's Hot Rod with trainer driver Rick McGee rushed quickly to the early lead from post position one in the affair, controlled the moderate early fractions, 28-4 and 58 seconds flat, before yielding to swing it again, and James J.D. Yoder 
Swinging again in J.D. Yoder, controlling things to the top of the lane, but Rick McGee and Steve's Hot Rod sitting patiently in the pocket around the final turn and saving that ground. And as they turned for home, Steve's Hot Rod pulled the pocket and powered by in the home stretch for the victory. It was a fast third quarter, 27 and one fifth. But swinging again on top in that third panel, 125 and one clocking at the three quarter pole. But again, Steve's Hot Rod had the most pace in the home stretch and got to the wire first by a length and a half for a new lifetime mark in 152 and three. Eye-opening final half in the race, 54 and three-fifths seconds. Swing it again, held second. And race favorite, what it do, Baby Boo, with Steve Wiseman picked up third in the contest. The winner, Steve's Hot Rod, is a gelding by Voracious Hanover, by the Arts Place Mayor, Miss Stacy, and Steve's Hot Rod is owned by Katie Sokolowski. Featured trotting van on the card on Saturday night was a $6,400 trot, and the seven-year-old gray gelding Dapper Dan, a fan favorite at Running Aces, strutted his stuff tonight on Saturday night to post his first win of the season in 13 starts this year for owner and trainer Dave Carter with Brian Deachin in the sulky. Brian Deachin sat sending Dapper Dan alertly from the gate and immediately yielding the lead to tame the dice from the outside with Steve Wiseman. With Dapper Dan waiting patiently in the garden seat through fractions of 28 and 4, 1 minute 2 fifths and 129 and 2. And Dapper Dan pulled the pocket at the top of the lane, powered by in the home stretch to get a one length tally and a new lifetime mark on Saturday night. 159-1, new lifetime mark for Dapper Dan on Saturday. And driver Steve Wiseman posting another hat trick on Saturday night. Once again, he tied with Nick Rowland in the top of the driver standings list. 67 wins apiece after the action on Saturday night for both Nick Rowland and Steve Wiseman, with Rick McGee picking up a driving double on Saturday as well. The 20-cent jackpot pick five wager is building each and every live racing night, starting out on a Saturday night or I should say ending up on Saturday night going into Sunday, the jackpot was $38,637. On Sunday night at the track and running aces, the featured event was a $10,000 open handicap pace with a very talented field of seven contenders, and it was J.D.'s Brent and Cherie stepping up in class to the top open pace and getting the job done. Big race favorite Roland and Rock would be caught three wide from post seven to take the early lead during the 27-1 opening panel. Continued to lead through a very soft second fraction of 30-1. But J.D.'s Brent and Cherie with a Bobcat Dean McGee launching a first over attack near the midway point was able to power past the leader just before the final turn and opened up a three-length cushion on the field before pacing strong in lane to secure the 13-1 upset. In the Sunday night feature in 152-1 with SF Don't Tell On Me and Joe Castagrande getting free very late in the mile, rallying up for second. Better's Promise with Steve Wiseman was home in third. The winner, J.D.'s at Brent and Cherie, is owned by Truman Gale, trained by Robert Lems. It was a third local win at running aces this season and five starts here at aces for the winner, J.D.'s Brent and Cherie. Once again, 152-1 in the Sunday featured open pace. On Sunday night, a lot of drivers picking up multiple wins. It was Rick McGee, Dean McGee, Luke Plano, J.D. Yoder, and Steve Wiseman all picking up driving doubles on the card on the Sunday program. 
And after the racing action on Sunday night, the jackpot pick five stood at $42,892. We also had a nice carryover in the 50-cent high five going into Tuesday night of just about $2,900. And an early pick four carryover just under $900. So on Tuesday night at Running Aces, the featured event on the program was the Open Trot, the $11,000 Open Handicap Trotting Event, Field of Eight going postward in the affair, and it would be C.W. Raisinet, four-year-old trotting mare, picking up her fifth win of the season, I should say fifth win of the season indeed, but five wins in a row for C.W. Raisinet in her first attempt at the top open level. C.W. Raisinet gets win number five in a row for a piece of the action LLC and Kathy Plusted-Wiseman, the part owner and trainer, driven to victory, of course, by Steve Wiseman, C.W. Raisinet took the Tuesday night feature in 157 and four-fifths. Also on the Tuesday night program, some Minnesota-sired action. We had the two-year-old Trotters going for $13,000, and Braganod picked up his fourth win in six starts this season via a double disqualification. Braganod was posted as the winner on this Tuesday evening program. He's trained by Nick Rowland, owned by Seth the Pace Racing, and was driven to victory by Luke Plano. Again, Braganod, four wins in six starts this year. He takes the $13,000 two-year-old open uh, trot Minnesota-bred sired on Tuesday evening. We also had the two-year-old Pacers in action. Minnesota sired two-year-old Pacers going for $13,000. And it would be Watch Me Nene picking up his very first lifetime win in 157.3 with J.D. Yoder in the bike for owner Richard Davilar and trainer Robert Lems. Watch Me Nene sat back early in the early proceedings in the race. Sat back seventh from post position three. Got rallying toward the outside with cover, second over in the middle portions of the race, and was closing well around the final turn, and charged home in the stretch to get up to win by a neck. Again, 157-3 the time, 27-4 last quarter. First a lifetime win for Watch Me Nene in the two-year-old Minnesota Sired Pace for 13000 on Tuesday night. Once again, congratulations to the connections of Watch Me Nene on Tuesday evening. So after the action on Tuesday night at Running Aces, the 20-cent Pick 5 jackpot now stands at $47,257. That will be going into this coming weekend's action on Saturday night. The 20-cent jackpot Pick 5 at Running Aces starts out at over $47,257. Steve Wiseman had another big night on Tuesday at Running Aces, picking up another driving triple on the program. So now Steve Weidman stands clear at the top of leading driver's board currently, four wins ahead of Nick Rowland going into the upcoming weekend's action. Also on Tuesday night, James J.D. Oder picked up a driving double on the program. Live racing every three nights a week at Running Aces every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Central Post Time, Saturday and Sunday nights. Live racing at Running Aces, 6 p.m. Central Post Time. Tuesday, Saturday and Sunday live racing all the way through September 16th at Running Aces. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack is a premier harness racing facility and card club in the Upper Midwest, located just off I-35 and just north of the Twin Cities in beautiful Minnesota and available at simulcast centers and on ADWs across North America. With live harness racing action on Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday nights from May through September. For more information, visit our website, runaces.com. One twenty-four and one. Buckeye State Pat. 
grabs the track and draws clear with a trotting explosion for Tim Tietrich. Levesque Dream in the second spot in hot pursuit. And then as far back to Spice Queen, third, Buckeye St. Pat at six to five. And Tim Tietrich in the crowning moment here, winning it by two and a quarter. Buckeye St. Pat getting the job done there at the Meadowlands. Mike Bosich along with Mike Carter. We are back on post time with Mike and Mike. And right now we are joined by the current social media manager for the U.S. Trotting Association, Allison Conte. Allison, welcome to the program. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me once again. No question about it. Well, listen, we certainly appreciate your help on the Dan Patch, and, and we certainly appreciate you keeping Mike Carter in the one piece there. But uh, <laughs> hey, you should probably get an award for that, I don't know. By the it way. was questionable. Probably... <laughs> wow. He was a little stressed towards the end of the night. A little. Well, listen, right. the, 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 did you see the size of the drink that I had when we were done? I was a lot more than a little stressed, okay? <laughs> That's true, but it was pink. Does it really count? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Thank you, Allison. Thank you. But on a more serious note, Allison, you, uh, we, we've talked about you. You're a Breakthrough Award winner. You're obviously, I think, one of the people that is going to lead harness racing kind of into the, the next generation, so to speak. You do a lot behind the scenes, a lot with social media. And we were talking to Ellen Harvey, talking to Carol Hodes uh, earlier on in the program. And, and especially Carol, she was talking about uh, just – publicity and how publicity has changed from the 80s and 90s to the the 2017 not only in harness racing but overall with the social media platforms and that allison tell us a little bit about what you do with the social media and and how quite frankly important it is the sport of harness racing to have that presence well honestly it's funny when you guys asked me to come on the show i thought you know women in harness racing and i'm trying to think like well you know has it has it been difficult being a woman in this sport. And I actually thought to myself, well, I think it's actually been more difficult um, based on what I do because there's less understanding about that probably than there is about uh, the fact that I'm a female. So um, what I do at the USPA is we sort of act as in our communications department, um, I guess you could say an aggregate, you know, like an AP type thing. So we have of course, obviously, everybody knows that the sport in general, uh, there's all these different segments from the breeders, owners, sales companies, racetracks, um, you know, it's so many different pieces. But we are sort of trying to bring all that together and we, you know, take the, the best news, the best opportunities, you know, whether they're wagering or ownership or what have you, and try to aggregate them into a place where people can find the resources that they need. Um, and I think it's, it's important in any business, obviously, but when you have a business where there's so many different little factions and different groups, it's especially important um, to not only bring those resources into one place, but also to promote them effectively and to reach people. And you need, you need social media in today's day and age to reach people. There's no question about that. Now, Allison, uh, for those who may not know exactly, you know, what you do at the USTA, I know you have you wear many hats there, but talk to us about uh, what your job entails and uh, what kind of stuff that you do uh, social media wise. Um, well, a little bit of everything. So, I do a lot of planning. Uh, for example, you know, right now we're working on. I just got off a phone call uh, dealing with some planning for the Little Brown Jug and promotion ahead of that. Um, everything from, you know, like Facebook quizzes or trivia 
to live event coverage. Like I, I helped you guys out, worked with you guys a little bit at the Dan Patch, and um, was also there covering for the USTA in the harness racing fan zone. Um, geez, it's <laughs> it's a lot. We try to I try to um, in order to keep myself organized and my brain organized, I try to sort of uh, segment the things that I do. You know, promotion wise is you know ownership. Uh, we focus on ownership and wagering because those are two obviously very important aspects. And then, you know, anything that's a really great shareable story, we need to, we're, you know, we're blessed as a sport in that a lot of our participants are so accessible and there's a lot of really great stories to be told. So it's really just a matter of, um, you know, putting the stories and the faces together and getting them out there for people to connect with the sport on a more meaningful level. Allison Conti joins us live on the program. Now, Allison, you are one of the most humble people in this business that I have met because, uh, in, believe me, you go back through our interviews that we've had with you, and every time that we talk about you, it always turns into what we can do for the sport, what the avenues that we can do to make the sport better. But, Allison, I, I, want, I want to talk about you for a second because you were a breakthrough award winner last year. And, you know, a lot of times when you work behind the scenes, I think, in the sport of harness racing, you kind of get looked over. People kind of get looked over because there are a lot of people in the sport of harness racing that care immensely about the sport that are always looking for new avenues to try to promote and to try to make the sport better. On a personal level, what did it mean to you to win that breakthrough award? Oh, it was, um, I mean, it was, it was crazy. I think I like was shaking the whole night. Um, it, it meant a lot. It meant a lot because, you know, there have been people before me who won that award that, you know, have gone on and done great things. And um, just being included, you know, and I know it's it's obviously not, you know, as crazy as, you know, you actors are there every year and all the big names, but just being included in that program um, with those people who are, they're like the ideal, you know, that that's what we aspire to is to be the best at what we do whether that's training horses or driving horses or, you know, whatever it is, you aspire to be the best at what you do. Um, and, you know, to be able to do that, I, no matter what I would have ended up doing with my career path, I would have tried to be the, as good as I can possibly be at it and constantly improving. But um, to be able to do it in the industry that has meant the most to me my entire life and then to be recognized for that was, it was really, it was, it was amazing. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. I'm not that eloquent right now, but it was um, it was pretty pretty cool. <laughs> well, listen, Allison, we certainly appreciate everything uh, that you do for the business. We appreciate everything you do for our show. And uh, listen, we can't wait to. Uh, I'll, I'll be seeing you at the Jug, and uh, hopefully, we'll be seeing you at the Hoosier Pacing Derby. And I don't care what anybody says. That pink drink was good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was in a big bowl, at least. It said Smirnoff on the side, so that counts, right? It counts for something, I guess, I guess. I'll give it to you this time. (laughs) All right, Allison. Well, we certainly appreciate it again. Thank you for everything you do to help us out. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. You know I love you. All right. That was uh, one of my very good friends, Mike and Allison Conti. And uh, listen, you know, that pink drink was good. That's all I have to say. You know, she has got, in all seriousness, Mike, she has got a gargantuan task, and she alluded to it a little bit, is there are so many different factions in the sport of harness racing. 
I mean, whether we're talking about gamblers, whether we're talking about horsemen, we're talking about breeders, we're talking about, uh, you know, employees of racetracks, managements of racetracks, so many different factions to try to bring together. And then after you bring them together, which, Mike, as you know, is next to impossible to do, okay, once you, bring, once you finally have some kind of semblance of order in bringing all these different factions together, then the task of how to most effectively promote what we have to offer, you know, then that becomes certainly a task. And then it's, it's just a gargantuan task which he has to deal with. And, you know, I'll tell you, just like we talked about Jessica – about one of the names that you're going to have to get used to hearing about in the sport of harness racing going forward. Allison is definitely, Allison County is definitely one of those names. And she just does a terrific job with social media, promoting our sport, always trying to find new avenues to try to get the sport of harness racing out there. And she absolutely deserved that award she got with the breakthrough. And, and I'll tell you what, she's going to get many, many more awards as the uh, days and years pass. No question. Yeah, totally. I completely agree with that statement. And, you know, she does a lot of great work. She does camera work. She does social media. And that's the one thing about this business, Mike, is you got to be able to do uh, multiple tasks. No question about it. Well, I'll tell you, this show is just – I don't know where the time went. I, we we definitely overbooked it. We were kind of like an airline flight where we where we have like a couple of hundred seats and we sell about 800 there. tickets. But <laughs> You had to go there, didn't you? We got through it all. It was a whirlwind. Mike, what do you say we take a final time out and wrap this thing up? You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. The Kentucky Sire Stinks is a culmination of a month-long series of preliminary races with the biggest money earners getting a chance to compete in one of the richest finals in North America. The Kentucky Sire Stinks includes two- and three-year-old Pacers and Trotters competing for over $2 million in purses. All the races are conducted at the historic Red Mile in Lexington, Kentucky. The series starts on Thursday, August 17th at 7 p.m. For more information, visit khrc.ky.gov. That's khrc.ky.gov. All right, we're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. We're wrapping things up on this women's edition, part two. It was all about the girls. And I'll tell you what, Mike Bozich, uh, we have had a lot, a lot of fun with this show. But we've got a busy couple of weeks coming up. We're going to be at the Little Brown Jug, Mike, taking pictures and such. We're also going to be at the Hoosier Pacing Derby coming up on September 22nd. Make sure you join us next Thursday with a first post of 1030 in the morning. Check us out on the archive. Also, at Post Time with Mike. Mike.com. See you next week, everybody. Closing time. One last call for alcohol to finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know. No!